Support for this podcast comes from Wreckfest 2. Wreckfest 2 is the in-house recruitment festival of the summer with an incredible lineup of speakers and the biggest conversation of like-minded recruiters in the world. Wreckfest 2 is taking place on July the 9th aboard the HMS President in London. Get 50% off your ticket to the conversation right now by going to wreckfest2.com and using the discount code PODCAST. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Over the last few months, I've been involved with the REC's Good Recruitment campaign and also contributed to their report on building the best jobs market in the world. In this week's interview, I talked to REC Chief Executive Kevin Green to understand the thinking behind these initiatives and to find out what the REC has learned from doing them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruitment Future podcast interview. Uh, Today, I'm down at the REC in Southwark talking to Kevin Green. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Um, Could you start by introducing yourself and and the REC? Yeah, so um, I'm the chief executive at the REC. The REC is the professional body for the UK recruitment industry. Um, We've been around for 80 years and we do, you know, we represent the industry in terms of interfacing with government and external stakeholders, but we also do things like standards and compliance of recruitment companies. Uh, We also provide professional qualifications, training, and also a lot of research into the jobs market and what's going on in the recruitment industry. And I think that's what I I really wanted to talk to you about today. I mean, uh, sort of, first of all, um, uh, you know, we've had quite a few conversations. I've come to some of your workshops around um, your good recruitment charter, which I think is a a really kind of interesting initiative. Could you sort of tell us a bit about the good recruitment charter? Yeah, one of the things that again became very, very apparent was from our members. So there's some self-interest at the beginning. A lot yeah. of our recruitment businesses were saying, you do loads of great work about setting standards and about compliance, but our clients don't aren't really aware of the REC and the good work you do on behalf of the industry. So it started off, well, how do we uh, engage with the the clients of our members? You know, um, And for us, that was a, an important conversation. So what we did is we got about 20 uh, businesses in the room. So we had HR directors and talent directors and some in-house resourcing uh, folks. And we basically said, let's, you know, talk, let's talk about good recruitment. So we had three or four conversations, and out of it became something which was, for us, quite powerful, which was um, there is no kind of definition of what great resourcing and great recruitment looks like. And when we were talking to uh, some of these organisations, most people recognised that they were very good at some parts of it and not very good at other bits. So we basically worked with them over a period of about six months to articulate a charter. And it was basically nine key principles of good practice. Um, And we launched this last April, April 2014, um, where we basically then started to ask other organisations to publicly commit to the good recruitment uh, charter and the principles. Uh, And along the way, we got lots of support from the CBI, CIPD, Federation of Small Businesses, um, uh, SIPS, which is the procurement body, because again, one of the things that we recognised in terms of what was going on in recruitment was 
that in terms of supply chain management, procurement will play a more active role. So we wanted to engage yeah. their professional body. So basically, we've now got a charter. We've got 74 uh, businesses signed up, and many of them are sort of household names. So we've got Royal Mail, we've got McDonald's, we've got the First Group, we've got Penguin Random House, we've got small organisations, Circle Housing Associations, we've got NHS employers, and the list goes on and on and on. So we're very pleased that we've got so many organisations already publicly committed from it. And the thing I think we've recognised is that it's got real legs. Yeah. You know, people are really interested. We are getting lots of uh, requests for information. And that sort of led us on to some of the new developments that we've done in the last six months. Cool. And um, from, uh, you know, obviously... You know, quite a few employers signing up. I know you're having sort of constant conversations around all this mm. kind of thing. Um, have you have you got kind of any has any insight come out of it? What what sort of surprised you? Um, you know, from the conversations, from the sort of development. I of think one of the things there. that I, I think that, that what the vehicles created. So we've created some subgroups. Basically, we've got one look at an employer branding. We've had another one looking at the candidate experience, where we've basically gone out and brought together. Uh, some people that have got some data to share uh, or some perspective Um, and then we've got uh, and we've just enabled the organisations that are signed up to come along and participate I think what's interesting is that people seem quite isolated in their organisations and one of the real benefits that people are getting from the Good Recruitment campaign is the sharing of experience and learning from one another so it's turned into a real peer-to-peer learning thing where we basically say let's talk about the candidate experience and I think you were at uh, one of those sessions where we ended up with a very open conversation of people saying well we tried this and this doesn't work and other people saying well what we found was this really worked for us And, and so I think what we've discovered is that there's a dying or a burning desire to, 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 to network and in to engage with people and to have some conversations around what good or great recruitment looks like. And, and I think that's why this thing seems to have some legs, is that we don't let any of our members participate, so we keep yeah. them out of the mix. So it's very much client to client. And it, and it just seems to resonate, and we're now starting to share publications and information um, and put people in touch with one another so they can have conversations outside of the room. So it seems to have been we're sort of facilitating a community yeah, that are yeah, interested yeah. in this whole thing around good recruitment. That's great. And how has it gone down with your members? Because you say they, they can't sort of participate in those yeah, kind of conversations. I mean, but how? I think what they accept is it, within the charter, for example, there are a couple of principles that um, are quite important for our members. One is that... Uh, people really think about good recruitment along the supply chain. Yeah. And you know lots of people have outsourced recruitment or they've got intermediaries involved and they don't really think about um, how do you ensure that if these people are your brand ambassadors, they're really selling your story. So I think there's some real benefit for our members in terms of that. And it also enshrines some of our standards that, you know, you want recruiters that are signed up to best practice and codes of practice. So they can see the benefit that when employers start to, really look at the charter and sign up for it it does engage them in a different conversation so it's not all about price it it's now about quality and and the service ethic um and also i think what we've done is we've um we've given our members a piece of marketing and sales collateral to talk to their their clients about where they're saying you know here's a way in which we can add some value why don't you get involved in this and of course it's all free so there's no cost associated with that and I think we, we recognise that there's lots of value for companies and I think our members are seeing that it's quite a useful thing for them to 
you know, to use to add some value to their customers and the experiences that they're providing. Absolutely. And what, um, where are you taking it next? What are the sort of, what do you think the sort of key topics are for for this conversation over the next? Well, uh, I, I few think months? there's a, there's a there's a whole range of things. I mean, we've started off these two sort of subgroups, which have gone very very well. Um, we started to write that up so we can uh, share the stories more widely. We've got a conference which is. Um, happening in June, which is very much about building on the good recruitment uh, campaign. That's called uh, Trek. So again, we're going to bring together speakers and actually have a, a very public conversation. Um, and I think what we will then find is uh, we've done a couple of pieces of research, particularly aimed at this. We did one with the CIPD and SIPS about supply chain management in recruitment. Yep. Um, and one of the things we saw in terms of that research being downloaded is, was it wasn't just downloaded by our members, but it was downloaded by a much wider spectrum of uh, businesses. So for us, there's lots of things. We'll go where uh, the people that are signed up want to go. Uh, two areas that seem to be, um, uh, I think, most probably prevalent. One is about uh, engaging younger people in the labour market so there's stuff about millennials and multi-generational workforces I think the other bit that's uh, interesting in that is perhaps employers have forgotten about uh, graduate programmes and apprenticeships Mm. in the last few years and I think people are starting to think about well if we revisit this how do we do it differently How how do we create some opportunities that perhaps we haven't done for a few years so I think that's one area and the other one I think that we are likely to explore in some some detail is is this whole thing about uh, female progression within organisations. Okay. So we did a piece of research last year around executive search uh, playing a role in getting women on boards. Yeah. And clearly out of that came a lot of issues around um, female progression within organisations in relation to senior management mm. positions. And so um, I think we'll most probably do a little bit of work around that. And the final one um, is the whole stuff around the candidate experience. We've um, commissioned a piece of research that will be published this summer into getting lots of data from candidates. Right. So rather than talking to employers about the candidate experience, we're going to go out and just do a really deep dive into... Okay, that's really interesting to see what people really think. Absolutely. And then we'll most probably try and start to align that with some of the, the thought leadership around you know candidate experience because I think there's a I think there's a real dichotomy and I think there's some stuff happening there that cool fantastic um, it, kind of moving on to some of the other research and publications you yeah. do so uh, you recently published uh, a series of essays called building the best jobs market in the world now yeah. I'm familiar with this because I wrote one of the essays but um, I um, uh, what was the story behind this why did you yeah, put this bit of work together it, it sort of um, uh, some of it was it was about influencing um, the political debate and uh, the conversation that's been happening about our jobs market. And it seems to be quite polarised. On one hand, people are saying we've got an incredibly flexible labour market. It's you know the envy of the Western world. We've got record employment, falling unemployment. And then other people saying, but we've got you know uh, precarious work, people being exploited. And actually... You know, what we wanted to do was to articulate um, something which was about we've all got a belief in having a great jobs market. We want to have a yeah. really well-functioning labour market. And so what we did, it was a quite a, uh, I don't know, a, quite a range, I suppose, quite an eclectic mix of people that we invited to participate. So 
we had some economists, we had David Smith from the Sunday Times, Danny Blanchflower is a very much a left-wing economist, but um, we had some demos and some think tanks, we had some academics, we had the Work Foundation, we had the TUCA CAS, uh, we had Charlie Mayfield from John Lewis, so mm. a real, you know, I would say eclectic, but other people have called it a ragbag um, <laughs> set of people. And what we said to them is, what we want you to say is about your perspective on what we could do to make this, if it isn't already the best jobs market in the world, the best, the best jobs market over the next decade. And I think from it came uh, quite a lot of insight. I mean, the first insight is that even though people sit on the different the side of the political spectrum for us, um, there was commonality um, yeah. around we want, um, we want to make it easy for, for employers to hire people we want people to get stepping stones into work, and we rang, you know we know we need the different sorts of jobs, um, but also a, a view that we need to make sure that people can progress and that they get lifetime learning. And whose responsibility is that? Is that government or is that employers or how do they work mm. together? So um, there was lots of consistency, there, and there was you know differing views. But the thing that I suppose is we're really pleased about is when we've engaged with the politicians and, and talked to them about this. You know they've sort of taken a step back and and we hope uh, explored some of the themes and we may have changed some perspectives and some views about what's currently going on, um, what's working and what we need to do more effectively over the next five to ten years. Yeah, see, I mean there are lots of there are lots of different views in the um, um, in the in the book. Which ones are you kind of most aligned with? What's the sort of REC's take on the future of the jobs market? Yeah, I mean, our take, and I, I suppose it was partly, I'm not saying informed by that. I mean, for us, um, you know, you've got to go back and look over the last five years. You know, we had the worst recession in living memory. We've had, um, you know, and it, it went on for, for six quarters, a very different recovery. Um, with most people at that time in 2008, 2009, predicting mass unemployment, 3.5 million, 11, 12%. In reality, you didn't get above 2.5 million. Mm. And, and, and so our labour market responded very positively to a very different environment. And we kept a lot of people in work. And I think that's something that we shouldn't forget as a country. That's quite important. That, you know, if you look at other European countries that they've got unemployment, you know, um, you know, uh, Spain and Italy and places like that have got youth unemployment at nearly fifty percent and unemployment mm. at twenty odd percent. You know, so to you know to keep it at about seven or eight percent, which you got to, I think was a great result. And some of that was because employers have gathered, and I think over the last few years that actually you need to hang on to your talent and skills. Yeah. So I think employers behave quite differently. They recognise that they need to take costs out, so we get rid of bonuses or we're you know, perhaps we put, let people have sabbaticals, but actually I want to hang on to my real skills and talent within my organisation. So I think employers behave differently. And I think the other thing that we've got, and, um, you know, if you think about our labour market, we have a lot of people that work as freelancers or contractors, and that's very different than certainly most of continental Europe. And I think that's something that, again, works for businesses, but also works for individuals. Yeah. And I think we may, we need to... Uh, recognise that and sometimes it's sort of swept under the carpet as uh, self-employed just people that can't get a permanent job well actually we know that there are lots of individuals that choose to work that way I've got yeah. lots of friends I've got lots of people that are HR directors that are working as a they might call themselves self-employed or a freelancer yeah. or a contractor or running their own consultancy business whatever you want to do but 
And I think that they do that because that suits what they want to do. They want yeah. to have a rewarding job and they want to be in control of their own destiny. At the same time, businesses have got a, a driver, I think, in the UK economy, as it is in, sort of globally, which is talent up, cost down. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. a driver for that is that means that tends to, to, well, I keep my core workforce quite small, but I can flex and bring capability as and when I need it. So I think there's some structural change going on within businesses, and I think there's some you know, uh, social change going on about how people want to work and how they want to engage uh, within the, the labour market. And I think that creates a diversity and something that's very powerful in the UK. So for us, I think what we're saying is, for God's sake, don't throw the baby out with the, the bathwater. Yeah. And the thing that we're aware of with politicians is sometimes they act with good intentions, but there's a lot of unintended consequences. So you get course, regulation... Yeah which then ends up with lots of cost and bureaucracy on businesses and on recruitment businesses, which sort of um, stifle their ability to uh, do what we think is important. So for us, it was it was quite an interesting thing where um, I think a lot of the people uh, were agreeing with us and there were some people that were disagreeing with us in the, in the essays. But I think, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to facilitate the conversation about what does the best jobs market look like in the world. And that means you've got to embrace divergent views and you've got to bring them together and have the debate and see if there are things that we can agree on and build some consensus around that. Cool. Kevin, thank you very much for talking to me. That was Kevin Green. I've put links in the show notes to the REC's Good Recruitment Campaign and the report on building the best jobs market in the world. As ever, you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and on Stitcher, or alternatively in any good podcasting app. You can listen to past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. 